funny because I had my message prepared, right? And I had it prepared early this week, right? Because I knew what I was going to speak about, which is the true vine. And we're still going to go there, but the Lord just took me somewhere completely different. <laughs> so we may not even get to what I, I um, you know, what I was going to, actually, we probably won't. But um, we'll come from, um, I'll read the foundation scripture, which is in John 15. We'll go there. You know, and, and it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, God is good. Amen. God is good. And, uh, you know, I was debating whether or not to even share this, but I had mentioned it to Phil earlier, you know, um, cause I really hadn't been going on social media, but because of my birthday and people are doing birthday, happy birthday and things like that. So it led me back there. And it's funny, as you go on Facebook, you don't get the re reminders, right? <laughs> Um, but I'm about to go back off. But anyway, I saw a post recently and, um, you know, it kind of disturbed me. Well, not kind of, it did disturb me in my spirit because it's in reference to the church and, uh, pastors. And, uh, and I know this particular person and, um, he's a quote unquote Christian, right? But he was talking about how, um, And I get the premise of what he was trying to say in reference to the church not being a building, per se, in which, you know, we have to come and gather. But he took it a step further in the essence of saying, basically, you know, we don't need the church, per se, you know, um, to basically. And he, I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember all that he said uh, in reference to, you know, being a Christian. We don't really. And he mentioned how we don't need, um, you know. He didn't mention it, but he insinuated basically we didn't need pastors per se, because he said it was only mentioned, pastors only mentioned one time in the New Testament. But, you know, there's a lot of things he, he fails to mention. And, and this is sometimes and not meaning as a negative connotation where we could be ignorant of some things because it's like what was Paul trying to do when he was going through um, in the book of Acts? He was establishing churches, right? When he sent Timothy to Ephesus to be a pastor of a church, right? And what is he doing, Titus? Right? So when you look at First Timothy and you look at Titus, those are all the things. He, he even in Titus he talks about you know the qualification for a bishop, elder, deacons, right? And he talks about how we should function and how we should carry ourselves and what, how the church should function within the church, right? So those are things that. You know, we could be ignorant sometimes because we want to give our opinions and we're not truly given the scriptures. Because he didn't give not one scripture for what he said. He quoted scriptures here and there, you know, but, you know, not nothing like verses. And he gave partial scriptures of things. But what he did was he tried to fit those things in his opinion. And I know why, you know, and I've said it before, because when you're out there, you're not doing right. Just like misery loves company, sin loves company, right? So instead of, you know, when Christians do wrong, instead of us trying to do right, we want to graft people in to do wrong with us, to kind of make us at ease and feel at home. And we're never going to be at ease at that because no matter what we do as believers, when we're called, we're going to feel uncomfortable in certain things. We're going to be convicted of those things, you know. So, um, but yeah. I was sharing with Phil, I said, you know, I'll, I'll probably respond because I usually don't respond to social media posts um, because of where it can go. But this one I probably will respond to. Um, 
but yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it's funny because he also talked about things, how it pertaining to the Old Testament, not New Testament. But, you know, Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. Can't, you know, and things in the Old Testament were types and shadows of things to come. Right. And even when I talked about um, with Jesus, with uh, the message on I am the shepherd, you know, shepherd in the Old Testament, in the original also means pastor. Right. right? But again, that's ignorance when you don't know. Right. And then even when he's talking about. Cause I know what he's talking about in New Testament, Ephesians. But what does he say for all those ministries that apostles, prophets, for the what and teaches for the perfecting of the saints for the maturity of the saints right so we can't pick and choose what we want to do based on how we feel so we got to be careful of that you know because even with the I am's you know Jesus is not saying in I am's of basically what he can give us and what he can do but who he is in that so you know he is the bread of life he is the light of the world right he is the gatekeeper, right? He, 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 he is the true shepherd, right? He is the resurrection. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he is the true vine, right? Jesus is all those things, <laughs> right? He, he's all those things. And it, it's like I said, he is what we is. And sometimes, you know, if we're not careful, we try to... So sometimes in our own mind, we could think of what Jesus can give us. Right. And we're not trying to be malicious. And then we present that to certain people that, you know, this is what Jesus can do for you. Right. You know, Jesus can heal you. Yes, he can. But that's not why you come to Jesus. Right. Um, now, don't get me wrong. Sickness can cause people to come to Jesus. Right. And, and, but, you know, yes, even in just paying the bill. Right. Or, or even, you know. Jesus can keep you from going to hell. That's not why we come to Jesus, right? He loved us. He first loved us. He gave himself. So we should love him. It's a relationship Amen. in that aspect. And if we're not careful, we can start to feed people those things. And then we can cause them to come to the Lord for the wrong reason. So that's just like how they were following him for the bread and the miracles. No, that's not what he wanted. And we see as the more people that came to Jesus, he gave them a harder word. And they started to fall off. Amen. Some started to stop walking with him. Right. And we, we got to be careful on how we present Jesus. We, we need to present him as the I am and who he is. Amen. Not what he can give us. Amen. All right. So let's start. Uh, John chapter 15, verse one. Amen. And we probably won't even come from this, but I'll, I'll, I'll read most of it. And uh, i I didn't plan on being long, but we'll see what the Lord says. All right. John chapter 15, beginning at verse one. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them 
and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. So real quick, real quick speed bump right here. You know, as Christians, we like to quote that, that verse right there, the latter half of that word, verse. You would ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Right? But we forget about the first part of that. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, Right? We forget that part. See, so sometimes, you know, if you ask most Christians, if not every Christian, what is abiding? We're going to say things like serving in the church, uh, witnessing, um, worshiping, and prayer. That's not abiding. And we're going to get to abiding either this week or next week, what abiding is. But those things are a result of abiding. So when we abide, we're going to do those things. Naturally, right? By the Spirit. Okay, so verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I loved you. Greater love has no, man, no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. So what he said, I have called you friends. But previous to that, he mentioned commandments quite a bit. <laughs> All right. So for all things... That I heard from my father I have made known to you. Verse 16. You did not choose me. But I chose you. And appointed you. That you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the father in my name. He may give you. So that's another one we will quote. Right. Just going up to. I think it was verse 7. Or verse 8. Right. So. That whatever you ask the father in my name. He may give you. Right. But he says. You did not choose me. But I chose you. Right. So. We. When we come into Christ, He chose us. He elected us. Right? So this is why I always tell believers that we are all God's number one pick. Right? Because I, I, I saw a, it was a, a song that, because I, I listen to music when I, when I sleep, and um, it was a particular song, but I, I got up and then, um, and I, I kind of, I recognized the voice, but I wasn't sure if it was that person. Um, but anyway, I read the comments under it, and what they said was, one of the persons said, Oh, she is so anointed. I want to meet her. It's like, huh? It's like every born again believer is anointed. That's right. right? But we place more emphasis on people. The only one we should be trying to meet is Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> right? But we place an emphasis and we, we, we try to say, well, this person is anointed like they're more anointed than somebody else. Right? But it, we, we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Right now, we have all gifting and callings and things like that, but no one's more anointed than anybody else. All right. These things I, I command you that you love one another. Is that word command again? If, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than 
his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So why do we think that it's strange when we or our faith get persecuted? Like it's something foreign. Because Jesus is saying if they persecuted him, they're going to persecute us. Now he's talking to disciples. Now we in this country are not facing the persecution that the disciples face. Right? So, but yet, the little things that we do face, we're whining and complaining about it. Right? <laughs> instead of praying and instead of abiding in the word, right? Which is Jesus Christ. But he, he's saying if they persecuted him, they're going to persecute us. Right. And some of them, most of them are persecuted because they don't know why they're doing it. Right? So, why are we making such a big thing about it? And what I mean about a big thing, we're trying to fight flesh with flesh. Right? No, we can't do that. Alright. Uh, 21. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. So they saw works that the people of this world today not seen. But they persecuted him. Right? So guess what? The people of this world, they didn't see the works. That, they're not seeing the works like they saw back in that day. Right? But yet they persecuted us. So why are we shocked by that? Understand what I'm saying? It, we, we shouldn't be shocked by that. Okay. Um, 25. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Amen. All right. All right. So I read all that and we're not going to go through all that. <laughs> all right. we, we, we won't get past verse one. And, and there's a reason for that. So he says this, I am a true vine. I am the true vine. Right? So this is the last of his I am statements in, 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 in John. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. So right now, we would think when we see true vine that there's a false vine sometimes. But that's not necessarily the case in that aspect. So what does true mean? True means opposite to what is imperfect, defective, frail. See, sometimes it may not be a false vine, but it may be a vine that is imperfect, where Jesus was perfect. So we have to understand that the idea and the concept of the vine to Israel was nothing new. Right? So it goes back to the Old Testament where Israel was the vine of God. Right? So we learn that in Jeremiah 2 and 21, Deuteronomy 32 verse 32 and 33, Hosea 10 and 1, Isaiah chapter 5, all make, and other scriptures, all make reference to Jesus being the vine. So real quick, let's turn to Psalm chapter 80. probably read down uh, maybe verse 19 <clears throat> alright Psalm chapter 80 beginning at verse 8 
You have brought a vine out of Egypt. You have cast out the nations and planted it. You prepared room for it and caused it to take deep root and it filled the land. The hills were covered with its shadow and the mighty cedars with, with its buffs. She sent out her bucks to the sea and her branches to the river. So let's start right there. So Israel was in Egypt, right? They got planted there, going all the way back to Joseph. Now, Egypt, well, Israel and Egypt, they were on the side of Goshen, right? So even though they were kind of away from the main area of Egypt, they still adopted some of their ways and their culture and got ingrained with the things that Egypt was doing. But God still multiplied them, right? So when it was time, God plucked them out <clears throat> and established them and planted them eventually in Canaan, right? So we know that there were also other nations there in Canaan that God drove out, right? So now he plucked them and planted them in Canaan, the vine there, and they began to grow. And even though they were not as, I guess, sophisticated and had the weaponry as the other nations who they drove out, God still called the, caused them to prosper. And, and see, initially, Israel was supposed to be, supposed to have the influence on the other nations and people. But what would happen? Israel started to become complacent and started to integrate over and over with the other nations, right? And instead of bearing good fruit that was nutritious, they began to uh, become wild berries that we couldn't eat, <laughs> all right? So let's go to verse 12. Why have you broken down her hedges so that all who pass by the way pluck her fruit? The boar out of the woods uproots it and the wild beast of the field devours it. Return, we beseech you, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see and visit this vine. So again, this vine, the vine being Israel. So, in other words, that wild boar that was going and trampling and uprooting things, that was the enemies coming because every time Israel was sin, and I didn't research this, but look, and I, I kind of changed my point, but it's long the same thing. <laughs> so, you know, as you go as we look back, each time Israel sinned, they will, they will get away from the things of God, but then they will start to repent. But as time went on, more and more, they stayed in their sin a lot longer, right? So every time they sinned, guess what? And, and they would get defeated. They will be oppressed by other nations. They will blame the other nations and the Gentiles before they will look at themselves, right? And, and, and God, is, and I guess that kind of ties into the Facebook post I was talking about, right? Because he's talking about the church, but he's got issues, right? Just like Israel did. So I guess maybe that's why God wanted me to see that. But anyway, so any anytime Israel pulled away from um, God, God sent another nation to oppress them. And they didn't just get oppressed, but they, a lot of times they got devoured, right? So we see, you know, Assyria. Babylonians, the Medo-Persians, the Romans, they all became oppressors, right? And even all the Canaanites and even, even them, right? And the Philistines, those are all nations that they had to deal with. All right, so let's keep going. In the, verse 15, in the, vine, in the vineyard which your right hand has planted 
and the branch that you made strong for yourself, it is burned with fire. It is cut down. They perish at the rebuke of your countenance. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand. Who's the man of your right hand? Jesus Christ. See, he's speaking. So Israel's a vine here, right? But they're, they're messing up, right? So let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, upon the son of man, whom you made strong for yourself. So Jesus was also known as what? The son of man, right? Verse 18, then he will not turn back from you, revive us, and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord, God of hosts, Cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. Amen. All right, we'll start right there. All right, so going back to verse 17, let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, upon the son of man, whom you may strong for yourself. So Ephesians 1.20 says this, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Hebrews 8 and 1 says, Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is, see, who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the, master, at, of the master, majesty, got tongue tied, in the heavens. So Jesus is the Son of Man. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Right? So again, Israel was supposed to be, again, the nation, God's seed, his peculiar people. Right? But they kept messing up. And see, if, if Israel had his way, or her way, they would have never engrafted in the Gentiles' nations. But the true vine did. The true vine did. All right, so let's go to Matthew 21. We'll probably finish with, with, with this. Matthew chapter 21. So there is a reason why Jesus said, I am the true vine, the, the disciples knew who he was talking about. And, and we got to understand also, I didn't say this, there was only 11 because at that point Judas had left. They knew what he was talking about. Him being a true vine. So where Israel was the vine, and not that Israel was the false vine, but Israel was imperfect, where Jesus is perfect. That's right. right? This is why we have to abide in and be implanted in the true vine, which is Jesus Christ. We can't be planted in Israel, right? We can't be planted in certain things in the pastor, but we have to be planted in true vine and abide in the true vine, which is Jesus Christ. All right, verse uh, chapter 21, uh, beginning at verse 33. Here another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built the tower and he leased it to the vine dressers and went into a far country now when the vintage time drew near he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive his fruit verse 35 and the vine dressers took his servants beat one killed one and stoned another again he sent other servants more than the first and they did likewise to them then last of all he sent his son to them saying they will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So what's his inheritance? They were trying to take the people too. <laughs> right? 
All right, verse 39. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. What did they do to Jesus? They cast him out of Israel, right, right. by killing him in the flesh. Verse 40. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? They said to him, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits of their seasons. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whoever it falls, it will grind him to power. So we got six main characters here in this parable, right? So understand parables are not necessarily a word for word, but it's explaining a point, a theme. All right. So the six main characters is this. The landowner is God. Right? The landowner is God. The vineyard is Israel. The vine dressers, tenants, farmers, depending on your translation, are the Jewish religious leadership. The landowner's servants are the prophets who remained obedient and preached God's word to the people of Israel. The Isaiahs, the Amos, the Zacharias, John the Baptist. Right? Number five, the son, which is Jesus, and the other nations or tenants, depending on your tr translation, are the Gentiles. So, in the Old Testament, the vine dressers were really the religious leaders. Right? But in the New Testament, God is taking over. Because why? The true vine is Jesus Christ. Right? So, <laughs> and the other nations, again, being Gentiles. So where Israel was failing, God knew all along that he was going to turn everything over to the Gentiles. Right now, Israel is going to have their place. Right? God has not forgotten Israel. Israel is still God's chosen people. But for now, in this time, in a new covenant, it is just Gentiles. Right? So he's placed us here. Why? Because now he's given us the Holy Spirit. Why? As long as we stay connected to the true vine and we have the comforter like we read at the end of John 15, guess what? Now we can go and bear fruit and be nutritious to other people. Amen. Right? But if we're not careful, we can start to be like Israel. Right? And start becoming religious or start doing things based on our own opinions when things don't go our way. Or we get caught up in the titles like the religious leaders because that's why religious leaders were doing what they were doing to Jesus. They got caught up in their titles, their position. And they wanted to take Jesus out so they could have all those things. Have those notoriety and, and not worried about Rome coming. And removing them because Rome wanted them to control the people. So there wouldn't be uprisings and things like that. See, before Christ speaks in John 15, the religious and civic leaders, again, were the vine dressers. Right? And their fruit was rotten. So no matter who God sent to them, they got rid of them. So if somebody came speaking the truth and speaking holy, this is why he says in his word, I can't remember the scripture offhand, but he talks about uh, if you were my true prophets, you would have turned my nation back to holiness. That's what he says in the Old Testament, the prophetic books. Right? So when we come in and we're speaking, naming and claiming, and all these other things, that's not God speaking. Right? But we should be turning people back to holiness. 
Righteousness. Amen. So as Christians, we got to be careful. Christians and Christian leaders, we can tend down to we could tend to water down the message in an effort to not be broken or delivered from our problems. So what do I mean by that? It's just like I, I talked about with the, the, that post, right? Instead of seeking accountability, we could find ourselves trying to influence people, trying to bring them down to our level to cause them to sin. And God doesn't want that. But God, all he's saying is this. Jesus is saying in John chapter 15, abide in me, the true vine. So, I'll close with this. Actually, you know, Jesus didn't get caught by surprise. And I, we, we touched on it in, um, on Wednesday, Luke chapter 13, with the leaves. Um, yeah, the leaves. Um, I, think in, um, I think it's around from 18 to 21 to 22, verse 21, 22, where he talks about the leaves um, growing and then the ravens coming down and on, on the branches. And he talks about the leaven and things like that. The Lord knew corruption was going to try to come into the church. Right. See, Israel was so easily to be corrupted. Right. But he doesn't want us to be corrupted. And the only way we cannot be corrupted is by abiding Amen. in him. And we're going to learn what abiding is uh, next week or the next time we we we, we uh, continue with John 15, because we're going to go down John 15. But, you know, we have to understand where the concept of I am the true vine, because all the I am's start in the Old Testament. Right. They're, they're, they're not new concepts. This is why it was a culture shock to the religious leaders when Jesus said, I am whatever it was. But when he's saying I am the true vine, he is just talking to his disciples because that's the only people that are there at the time. So we apply this parable to our lives by asking two questions. First, have you come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior or have you rejected him like the Jewish leadership did? The process is simple as long as you are sincere in seeking a relationship with Jesus Christ. Right? We, we make things difficult, but we have to seek him. We, you know, we, if we're seeking, even as an unbeliever, if you're seeking him, God will send somebody that person's way. We need to recognize our sins and then accept Christ as the only one who can save us from the penalty of our sins. All right. That's the first point. Second is this. If you are a believer, what have you done with Jesus? Are you like the bad tenants rejecting his word and living a life of disobedience? If you are, you need to study God's word and pray for guidance, seeking his will for your life and living out that will as best as you can, moment by moment, day by day. And ultimately abiding and we'll come to see um, next week that abiding is really just being in his word. His word being in us. And we're going to see how he explains this to the disciples. We're going to break that down. Amen. So we'll stop there because I want to get back into John 15. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. But all right, let's pray.